Today on the Songwriting for Songwriters podcast, my guest is Boo Hewardine. How are you, Boo? I'm I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay considering. Yeah, it's a lovely day. It is a lovely day. Spring is. Yeah, I'm in Glasgow, and it, it's quite sunny for Glasgow today. So. Uh, cool. When? How long have you been in Glasgow for? Four years. So. Fantastic. What's the music scene like up there? Is it a good scene to be a songwriter up there? It's amazing. Yeah, that's partly what I would. I've worked for many years with Eddie Reader, and through that, I met lots of other people. But I've also got my favourite engineer lives here. My friend from school, best friend from school, lives here. So it just seemed obvious, really. So fantastic. I love it here. So fantastic. And are you working on a uh, any kind of a new album at the moment or anything like that? Are you? No, I've just finished a, lots of touring with my friend Brooks Williams and with uh, Eddie, just on an Irish tour. So I'm just having a rest today. It's my day off. I'll start nice. the new album tomorrow. So, but I've been producing lots of people. I'm just running, working on a running order today with someone who I've just produced and stuff like that. But I need a bit of a rest, you know? Yeah, it can get it can get like that. With I, I do a lot of production with other people too. Actually, which leads me to a question I was going to ask you. Actually, you you are very well known for your um, collaborative work, whether it be through songwriting or through production. Um, how how does that influence you as a songwriter, working with other people and producing other people's records? yeah yeah uh, that's an interesting thing isn't it there's a lot to gain in collaboration and and being i suppose because also uh, f from my point of view um of hearing about people that have been on your workshops and people that you've worked with um it seems you know you have a lot to get you're very generous with your time and and your um you know giving kind of guidance and and expertise to other people's um work that that's that's obviously important to you yeah it just seems if you if you've learned stuff normally by trial and error making terrible mistakes in the past it's it's not it's not secret and it, if it can help somebody else it's 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 really uh it's a it's it, it's very i suppose rewarding i guess i haven't thought about it too much but it, it's uh it's it's um I, I, I know people who are quite isolated and stuff um, yeah. and make really good work, but it's just not how I, I'm not like that, really. I suppose as well, being in a band um, early on, the Bible and other bands, it's like, you 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 know, you learn to, it's not all about you, is it? There's many songwriters that come from this, just the singer-songwriter point of view, but if you're in a band, you're naturally collaborative and share things. So it's, it's that's just the way, the entry point into music and creativity. It is, and to be and and to be honest, it's led to adventures, you know. And yeah. I like an adventure. I mean, the fact meeting Eddie and working with Eddie for so long, and, and the tour we just did in Ireland. I've toured with her many, many, many times. Played with her for years, but uh, it was probably my favourite tour that I've done with her in Ireland. And there was one particular gig that was just it was just so magical. And I wouldn't have had those adventures if I'd been sort of more uh, guarded and yeah things to myself so i like yeah. having a nice time yeah absolutely but i think you're right that being open to adventure with people is is part of the process but i also find that when i'm working on my own stuff i do i can enter that little world of just of, of meanness and so surprisingly working with lots of other people doesn't really affect the little journey i make with my own records okay so i'm which is which is fine. I've been really enjoying um, listening to Flowers, your EP, and um, your last album, Understudy. Yeah. I was driving home last night from a gig. Um, you know that I always love listening to music, uh, and before I do these podcasts,
podcast I, I tend to kind of deep dive an artist and just be in the car and driving along and as I've always thought about your songwriting that it's like such beautifully beautiful like nursery rhyme like melodies which are feel very kind of like effortless and free but also I always feel like I'm being led by your melodies into this kind of like it might just be my experience I hope other people have it as well but the melodies lead me into a space where I think you're like talking directly to me and you know this your your lyrics are kind of very I find very kind of generous so quite often whilst I was driving last night listening and have been listening I've been thinking oh Boo's telling me something here he's giving me some life advice or like he's talking directly to me and I guess one of my question, my question is, in terms of the lyrical, which I think I think is a very generous. Uh, I think you're a generous person through the, your collaborative relation with others, but I think you're a generous lyric writer. Are you aware of what you are as a lyric writer, or your kind of personality as a lyric writer? Oh, I guess so. It's something that I keep exploring. A lot of the, a lot of those songs that you're talking about were. Um, there's no really there were reflections on my old man who died during uh covid and i couldn't visit him because he was in a home and stuff like that and so uh, i i guess it was looking for the little bits of light that happen even in a situation like that so i never want people to feel gloomier after listening to um what i've written so um yeah they are me that's me. Well, it's nice if you feel that way about it. I, I, it, it, there's a thing that always hangs in my mind. Uh, there are several things, but one is uh, uh, Paul Simon quote said that songwriting is the art of making the complicated sound simple. Nice. That's always in my mind. So I want it to feel very welcoming and easy to listen to, but there's normally something a bit sort of more complex behind it. For example. There's a song, The Thing You Love, is, um, it's just, when I went, the first big gig I went to when I was about 16 was Dr. Feelgood, and I've, I I stood too near the speakers. Yeah. I've had, I've had tinnitus in my left ear ever since, and that's a song about that, and also about the fact that my dad was losing his hearing, or blah, 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 but it's called The Thing You Love, you know, can sometimes hurt you and that's sort of been interesting that i i did a you know i was in a band and everything like that and it was it was uh when we and we we weren't a particularly loud band but we were a rock band and it, it wasn't always very comfortable and stuff and i was just thinking why do i do this thing that has damaged me mm. you know but one when you listen to the song it just sounds quite simple but i actually do mention dr feel good in it i do mention real things in it so yeah so there's think, always a subtext to them yeah i think that's what i'm saying is true is what i mean there like you've obviously the insight into that song there the you, you know which one might miss on first listen and and the insight i really enjoyed hearing that insight but what i really love is how you condense to me it seems that you condense these uh experiences into something which is like almost like a little gift you know like what why does the thing you love sometimes hurt you it's, it's like that's a really beautiful thing thing to condense those ideas down to and for for the listener to think about and that's what i mean i think in the generosity which is like you're you're singing your song and having your experiences but there's also a kind of present to the to the listener which is not it's not true of every songwriter you know but it's really important to me that someone sitting in an audience goes oh yeah that's i i get that that's that's the whole point i think we're it's 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 sort of communication and but we it's not like writing a novel or a a screenplay you've got three minutes to impart that and and what happens is you try and compress the ideas until this is going to sound pretentious but i think about it sometimes it's like if i get a line that says a lot it feels like you've made a little diamond you've squashed these yeah. ideas into just three or four words and then um, um uh uh my favorite line that i ever came up with like that and it's it's uh my wife really likes this line and is thinking of having it tattooed on herself. There's a song I've got called Dragonflies and uh, she's in fact got a dragonfly tattooed on her because of the song. And in fact, lots of people I know have got dragonflies tattooed on them, including Kevin who plays bass in Eddie's band. But the line I 
I thought said a lot was um, each of us know in our heart we must go. That's what beauty is. And I, yeah, that's my favorite line I ever wrote. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's yeah, and it's true. But I think the, you, you know, just you're someone who manages to condense these things into those like lines, and it's it's, yeah, it's a it's a real gift that is. So as a listener, I say thanks for that, Boo. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was, it was a bloody lovely drive back. Oh, this is difficult talking about yourself. I always feel like that you sound really sort of um, yeah. Well, it's one of those things where I think the, the kind of purpose of this podcast is to kind of, you know, obviously as a songwriter myself, I'm, I'm sort of studying you as a songwriter, but also, and as a fan, and but there's also like, the, you know, sometimes the purpose of this is to kind of talk about the process and, and uh, yeah, and sort of explore it, because I know what you mean, it is a bit uncomfortable, but it's... Um, it is because you, you want it to speak for itself, but yeah, it is the process, whereas if an idea occurs to me, I might sit in my head for a long time, but the actual song might come out quite quickly. But it's it's a it's about it's it's about compression or compressing the idea into into that tiny space that a song allows you to have. There's a you know um, I, in the my band there were the two McCall brothers and their dad was you and McCall and he wrote first time ever I saw your face, which is a fantastic song, but it's only twelve lines, you know. Yeah. And he's, he creates this entire love affair and life with someone in, into twelve lines. So it's a it's a it's a different discipline from, you know, you can have really long Bob Dylan type songs, and I have had some longer songs, but I enjoy that discipline. There was a lovely project that uh, I was asked to take part in. It's a thing called Miniatures. Morgan Fisher from uh Mark the Hoople in 1980 made an album called Miniatures where every song was only a minute long Brilliant. and then, and there was a, a somebody decided to do an updated version of that and to try and write a song that says all you want to say in a minute is a fantastic thing to try and do I really really enjoyed that um, so I'm kind of drawn to miniature, miniatures in in a, as, as a concept, you know. If if you if you, I try and say it in as few words as possible, so I love that. That's it's, it's uh, that is it is one of the hardest things to do, but it's definitely it's a worthy worthy um, exercise to do it for sure. Because I think you know, sim like you say, complex things simplified is the um is communication isn't it because we are we feel whatever we feel and experience life it can be complicated but i guess the job of a songwriter or an artist is to try and feel those experiences and put it into a relatable form and that's what we're here for yes yeah you, yes and you can sort of tell when i listen to a lot of songs you can sort of tell the songs that come from some sort of personal experience but so the writers I really like then translate that into sort of something general. I've just the record I just am working on sequencing today is a lovely guy called Louis Cormack who lives in Cork in Ireland, and he uh, the song that sort of swung me behind his project is a song called Local Guy, and it's about him getting his bicycle repaired, but it's not about him getting his bicycle repaired, and it's it's. It, it just it's it, it's really using this sort of this experience he had where he he broke his bike and he's getting it fixed in the shop next door to where he works because it's uh, because it's convenient and stuff and he says all these really everyday things but it's not it's a song about community you know it's very it's, it's brilliant so yeah we'll definitely check that song out when it when it was released that's uh look um there's this track on uh well, the EP Flowers, because I understand that, oh, I think I understand that understudying flowers are kind of, I mean, all, all your work is obviously relatable, but the EP is kind of um, aligned to that understudy album. Is that right? Like it's a kind of... Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm very lucky with the record company I'm with. He always encourages me to be putting things out all the time. And if it wasn't right. for him, I probably wouldn't. But they, they, they were... Uh, they were songs that, I, that happened during that time, but they didn't quite fit into the narrative of the album. Sure. But had, 
actually some some of my favorite ever things i've ever done have ended up on eps and yeah. and so forth it's but when you're making an album you want to you don't you don't want it to turn into a k-tail greatest hit sort of confusing thing you want to keep it a sort of a its own little world you know there's i think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for what's on the cutting room floor it's it, they they can live by themselves and uh one of the songs is uh during lockdown i i ended up writing with loads and loads of people one of them was a woman called yvonne lyon and we've been working for nearly three years now on a project where in Killane castle uh near Killane in Killane near the castle there's a secondhand bookshop and on the wall they have a big display called things found in books because people bring in secondhand books to to give to the shop or sell to the shop and stuff falls out wow. and letters photographs and so forth and so paul mccartney 1970 was a photograph that fell out of one of the the books that someone brought in and that was that's the what's written on the photograph wow so and so i sort of tried to imagine how that how the people who had the book and so the book's not even mentioned so it's been a beautiful project to work on so there are there's a there's a song about a, a packet of cigarettes of a brand that no longer exists and um all sorts of things like that it's a beautiful source so uh we've we've nearly finished recording now but but yvonne and i would meet online uh periodically and just say oh i found another thing and, and work from that so that wouldn't have fitted onto the album but it'll be a version of that will be on the record that we are, are making which is called things found in books fantastic <laughs> uh, I love that. So they, all, they, they all have they all have their own on that ep have different reasons for for existing uh uh by themselves but they didn't quite fit into the narrative of understudy which i which was really about honoring my old man you know so well both both the album and the ep are very beautiful and the song the songs are fantastic did, 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 i mean it's is mccartney an influence as a as a songwriter on you well he's yeah in some ways yeah i mean the beatles on oh my probably the band I like a lot of us are most obsessed with and interested in I'm looking over here because I've got loads of I've got his lyric book and his I've got that fantastic book where every Beatles song is transcribed with it with it with it what each individual instrument's playing and stuff like that and that, because I was young when I first found them yesterday they never they never failed to sort of uh amaze me but I I think everything I've ever heard, like all of us, is an is an influence, isn't it? But um, he does fascinate me because he, I think he's very incredibly instinctive. I had a friend, John Kelly, who I still work with, who's a, a producer and engineer, and he worked for years with McCartney, and and um, he, he's given me some fascinating insights into the way he works. And one of the things that did interest me is that John said he often would come up with a melody before he went to his instrument. Right. Or nice. the beginning, uh, beginnings of a melody before he went into his instrument. Obviously, we all know about yesterday and him dreaming, scram you know, scrambled eggs and all that. We know all of that, that uh, he dreamt that melody. But that has interested me because I think a lot of times, if we're players, we will start vamping on a chord sequence and then put a melody to it, which is great. And nearly all songs are written that way, but you're immediately trapped in a sort of harmonic prison if yeah. you do that. Whereas if you try and think of a melody away from your instrument, even the beginnings of one, it, that really work, opens up a whole world of possibilities. So that if any if he's a if he's influenced me in any way was John telling me that, and now I don't necessarily go to my instrument when I want to start writing. I might come with a melody in my head, even if it's only a couple of lines, and then see where that leads me harmonically. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. It's a really good exercise, that isn't it? That sort of. But you said earlier about. Um when you're condensing there's like you might condense something in your head before the song comes out do you, so do, do you have like music going on in your head or ideas swimming in your head you know as a general kind of level of being being of existence is that something which goes on in your head all the time yes well, it has done since i was i remember that when i was a kid about seven years old realizing that that was happening i didn't really learn to play anything till quite a long time later but i remember that being something happening 
and um did you did that impact your decision to want to become a songwriter you know was it when did you decide to become a writer i think i wanted to become a songwriter really young even though i didn't know what that was and then you start buying records and i became interested in the names underneath the title and where did where did, where did these things come from so yeah it's a total accident though i feel so lucky it's led me to have such a an interesting time and and then the other great thing is you never grow up <laughs> yeah which is good and bad this is yeah. i'm still it's ridiculous i still i'm still doing the same thing i I did when I first for the make a, a beginnings of a living when I was 19. I then went and worked in a record shop. We got a deal and then lost a deal and then got another one. And but really, it's my whole life has been doing that. And I still have the same sense of like, right, this is the record that's going to do it. And I still get excited when I get on the tour bus and stuff. I feel very lucky. I don't think I've got an arrested development, but it's like a, 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 a it doesn't ever stop being a beautiful, exciting thing to be involved in you know do you think i think that excitement of of it i mean for me as a writer like the 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 most exciting thing is is a new song coming through that is you know or making a new record when you when you maybe like a when you've got the songs and you've maybe a third coming up to half the way in when you know you kind of what the sounds are that that excitement of a new song knowing you've kind of got it but you haven't got it yet but that feeling of excitement is the same thing from 13 to today you know which is it fuels all the kind of uh you know the harder moments i suppose is is that how you feel about it is it excited by the by it all still yes of course i think that i think the two bits that are a reward are when the when the when the song begins to exist and it sort of wriggles into being that's really exciting and the, the other reward is uh when you play it to an audience and like that was a beautiful moment in on the eddie tour where someone was singing a song which was happened to be one of mine and i looked at and there was a woman and she was crying and i thought i'm what a, what a beautiful thing that someone has understood something i thought ages ago all the stuff in the middle is the work that you have to do and that would include recording although i get excited about recording yeah, it's part of the process of getting from sitting in your room thinking of something to the other end someone being so moved or having a good time or whatever a stranger hundreds of miles away so that's those are the rewards for me the stuff in the middle is i love doing it but it's it's part of a process you know where those two bits feel like magic yeah so i mean f from what i know and from what you said so far it seems like um you're someone who uh, looks for inspiration for songs and all manner of things, whether it be things falling out of books or collaborations. Do you, and then there's the kind of you on your own thing. Do, do you do you do you write every day? Do you write when you've got an idea? Do you or do you just open yourself up to whatever comes? Is there a sort of booze process? I've, if there is what, what I've learned, although I loved during lockdown that I could write every day, I have learned to to put it aside on occasion so yeah. that it comes back fresh but if somebody asks me to write something i i will do it just then and there i had a, a I, one of the people that i've been working with for a while and this is interesting because i don't write the lyrics is uh chris difford yeah, yeah. so that's four four records in now we're just getting on to the fourth one and there was a record that we did that he wanted to write a musical fancy pants that's it and I've he just sent me a, yeah. he sent me a text this morning saying it's amazing or you know it's like he never sends me texts like that. he's obviously listened to it and he was and that would be the piece of work as a recording that i put m myself into more than anything else i've ever done it nearly broke me and uh it's sort of funny because i sort of think it was so difficult to make there were so many obstacles so many hurdles and problems and for him a few couple of years later to listen to it and go, oh, this is really good. That, that was a nice feeling, but it made me made me realise that there's a lot of hard work to get to that. That's not really answering your question, is it? But it just, it just occurred to me. Well, that text just before we spoke. 
but it, it's it's one of those things where i think you, you know whether that justifies the work level that we all go through as writers it's, you know you never know but i suppose the woman crying in the crowd or an artist you're working with texting back that morning getting off on the work is is you know it doesn't always like pay all the bills in certain ways but that's feeling is is you want to make people feel good don't you and that album's really great actually because i've been part of uh chris's songwriting courses and spoke to him on this podcast as well but i in in my research for talking to him i was aware of the uh, musical um he'd mentioned it to me and i listened to that album and it's fantastic it makes me th- it's like the kinks and um but it's funny but really beautiful as well like it you know there's some really beautiful moments but it's it's funny and entertaining and it's you know anyone who likes Boo's work and chris's work should go and check it out because it's 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 quite an extraordinary piece of work i think uh, well th- yes I, I i would yeah i would back that up i mean it's it's somewhere like 25 tracks and it was so it, it, its genesis was so difficult with uh for lots of reasons and um, it's uh, the, if you get a CD, it's very rare because I think there's there's only about a hundred were made before everything changed and it was withdrawn and stuff. But you can listen to it on Apple Music, I think. It's uh, but for 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 effort in to reward out, that is uh, probably the biggest <laughs> the biggest disparity of anything I've ever done. But it's I do I I I'm very proud of it and I'd like people to hear it. Probably the record I'm one of the records of the collaborations that I'm most proud of. And again, I was uh, talking to him this morning. Is somebody I really really admire and really like. It's a guy called Duke Special. It's Peter Wilson, who's in Northern Ireland. And we worked together on an album, writing-wise, called Under the Dark Cloth, which was about photography. Uh, And he went to um, New York to uh, the the Met, the museum in New York, to play it with a with a string section. Uh, I couldn't go because I got a gig with Chris Difford actually in a in a in a in a pub in. Cheshire where the fruit machine was louder than the PA but I'm not bitter but that record was as a collaborative uh, exercise or whatever was the most exciting uh, because he took most of the hard work on to be honest uh, and but the recording he had done a, 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 a series of dates with the uh, RTE um, orchestra in Ireland and he didn't want payment he just said can I can I have the orchestra for two days so we got this fantastic guy to do arrangements and then sitting in Dublin hearing our songs that were recorded on phones and stuff like coming back to me as full-blown orchestral pieces yeah fantastic and again I would never have had that adventure if I wasn't open to collaborating with people yeah and and that's if I if I am like to show off about anything, it's quite often that record I point at to people because nobody knows that record either. So, what's that record called? We we will mark it on the podcast. Under the dark cloth. Yeah, it's fantastic work from Peter. Absolutely fantastic, and it's a beautiful, beautifully realised piece of work. But again, sometimes you do you invest yourself totally into something, and it doesn't. Thing, you know, there are so many ducks in a row that have to happen for a record to be successful. Yeah. Well, success is a really interesting thing as a songwriter, isn't it? Because, you know, there's... Uh, I heard an interview with you, actually. Someone asked the question. They were asking about, like, success and failure. And you said a really interesting thing, which was that... Because, um, I mean, from my point of view, like you're an immensely successful songwriter and you just are, that's factual. Then there's those songwriters who have those enormous mega hits and everybody thinks of them as a success. But you said something in this interview, which was that you had always kind of like just kept on pushing on and kept on working and kept on writing. And that sometimes people that had had bigger successes were almost unable to make a move because the success was too big and it became like a ghost in the room, which I think was a really interesting thing to say because it really opened up that idea of your uh, point of view of just do the work, write a song, do the work, write a song, collaborate. And that's that's the lifeblood of a songwriter, isn't it? Yes. But there came a point when I had uh, my first child that I realised I had... I wanted to make sure that they were okay and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. So it became 
it became my trade it's my trade you know and it's what i've paid bills for people that i love to make sure people are okay yeah. so that's my mindset so when success happens which it does occasionally and it's normally a surprise and and you get a, something that does well and it means you it takes the weight off for a bit but i i don't i had a time when i was going to london and working mainly because my daughter wanted me to uh and working with pop stars and stuff like that and um it was you know had things that got in the charts and stuff but it was not the same thrill as working with by any means by working with eddie or or with chris drever or heidi talbot that's you know in terms of joy it was it, it was there's no comparison so um i i don't go chasing that i go chasing the work yeah and chasing your heart right Ch chasing artists and people that turn you on because otherwise there's, there's but, but all always and i have to be always with an eye to making sure that we're okay yeah sure but it's not an indulgence you know yeah. that's important to me so like if i do a gig and i turn up on my own with my tools like a plumber and do my gig and it goes well and i walk out with something that means that the that the, the rent you know the rent gets paid and stuff that's a really good feeling and i i like that feeling kind of more than the showbiz stuff yep absolutely i'm not being po-faced or judgmental it's just me it's just how i am you know it's not well there's a great feeling to be i think if you're if like you say if you think of songwriting as being a trade or a craftsman and you're making money at your craft whether you're a i don't know if you're a carpenter or a fisherman or a songwriter it, it's, it's it's what's nice about that is it's not making it like a lofty thing it's just like it's as it's as meaningful or as meaningless as as a carpenter and fisherman it's just a trade isn't it it's true i think we're surrounded by we're surrounded by well it sounds gonna sound and i don't want it to sound dodgy in any way but we i think we're surrounded by our by, by people doing doing trades and stuff like that it, it, mo it moves me you know and i love art and we'll Someone who's a fantastic artist, but at the same time, I don't know. I've got this sort of funny old piano over here that we found in a in a in a hotel. It was made in the thirties, and it was just somebody plonking away in the corner of a hotel. But I just I look at it sometimes and think, oh, this is a, what a beautiful thing. And there was no other reward from that other than the guy wanted to make a beautiful thing, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this this is what we leave what we leave behind, isn't it? Piano or song or experience that's the um that's what these songs are that we that we sort of walk around with our heads is just leaving a little artifact for someone to come across yeah but by the same token i have friends who are really good at writing pop songs are really good at it and are really fun and and consequently have done very well at it and i have tremendous admiration for to them as well it's i'm not po-faced about that at all it's like it's just happened to just happened to be I guess it's my my comfort zone, I suppose, for want of a better, better word. But I have tremendous admiration for some of my pals who've who can knock out a number one. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a, there's a craft to that too, for absolutely yeah, sure. Totally. Totally. It totally is. And when it all marries in in a perfect storm, I think that flower song by um what's the chops Miley, sorry. I think yeah. that's like a perfect storm of yeah. Pop, pop, pop chops and something else is and, and we used to hear those sort of things all the time when i was uh growing up like if you look at an old top 20 from from 1975 or something like every, nearly every single one is like a mind-blowingly yeah. fantastic piece of work you just uh, it, uh, for me and it, I, I don't think it's just being older because I, I thought i now hear that sort of thing in more indie sort of stuff and but that used to be just that's why one of the reasons I love the Beatles. It's like bang, you get there. You go have some art. Yeah, well, it's true, and it's that seven year, seven, you know, the seven year recording was it seven years of recording where it's it's just insane the 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 movement from you know rock and rollers to kind of really kind of composers of modern pop and arrangement in, in the kind of mainstream commercial sense. It's just you know if you look at within without you from sixty seven to kind of. I've just seen a face, which was, I don't know, 64. Like, it's just crazy, isn't it? The kind of... Just two and a half, to be honest, because of when they started recording. It's mad. And also, uh, I don't know, that there was a sort of expect expectation of musicality in the 
sixties, like adventure. Yeah. Like you know, you hear uh, at the end of a thing. I do this thing where I go into prisons with a couple of friends of mine, and we work with people there. And at the end of the last session, the guy just put on really loud, put on God only knows, and it's mind blowing. What a mind blowing thing that that would be in the mainstream. And then I also think there was a an, uh, level, and this is where Diff, Chris Stiffer comes in, there was a level of um, lyrical adv- uh, invention, in, particularly in, in in British music around the time of Squeeze and, and particularly with Ian Jury and stuff like that. Definitely. But each year, it, it, you know, there's brilliant things happening now, but in the mainstream it doesn't always excite me quite as much but the level of ly- lyrical effort that went into uh early 80s records is, is mental you just have to hear a an ian jury record and you go blimey it's just incredible and that was mainstream it wasn't an obscure some cool sort of obscure thing that you found it was number one it's, yeah, it's so interesting that you're right. I mean you're right even like I mean I grew up in the 90s so like you know it was it was slightly different but you get you you'd have like you know bittersweet symphony out one week firestarter out the week after there was a, even then there was like strong statement singles that were like interesting songs and records in the mainstream and uh, you know i think due to many reasons um the mainstream is just different now and and the and the way of finding great music and art is just it's sort of everywhere all at once and you have to kind of find it in a different way it's not it's not broadcast into your uh, TV or radio in the same way is it? It's a very different. No, it's there and you can find it. But it was a. It, there have been these various periods where there was it's like a perfect storm of a, a invention and, and popularity, which was incredibly thrilling when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Like Nirvana, like Nirvana or something. It's like what <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, but uh, you know, it, 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 I'm sure for people, you know, I'm knocking on. So, but I'm sure younger people are feeling that and stuff. But I do still. I, I used to work in an indie shop, so I just it's just by nature I just go hunting things out. And my son's the same; who writes. My son Ben, who writes music and and makes uh, records when he can and stuff. We're like we're always trying to sort of find little gems for each other to listen to. Do you, that, do you think that's? I was, I was listening to an interview actually two days ago with Simon Le Bon of all people. He was saying that at a certain point, he his daughter came downstairs one day. Sorry, he came down one stairs one day and his daughter was listening to Six Music and he, at the time, just didn't want to listen to it because he was in, he just eating breakfast or something. His daughter pointed out to him, um, you don't really like music, do you? You're not listening to much music. And he and he had the wherewithal to kind of think, actually, you're right, I've come into this position, of, or I found myself in a position where I'm not listening to as much as I used to listen to. How important do you think it is as a songwriter to, to, to you know, to constantly be listening or find things out? Is that something that's important to you? The music that I like to listen to is music that sounds nothing like mine. Okay. So, such as, um, I really, really liked uh, the Robin's record "Honey." That album, I really like that. Yeah. That would that sounds nothing like mine. I quite often like electronica. Yeah. Um, what else? Is something just recently I really like. Uh, but that one, that was, that I, yeah, and I was listening to it and really enjoying it. I think this is nothing like I'd ever do. Yeah. Uh, I, I just enjoy being mystified by something because I don't know how the how the, the mechanics work. Whereas if I listen to other singer-songwriters, which I will do and admire and love, it's I kind of know, I kind of know, I know, I know how, they, how it was put together. Sure. I, I really, I've always really enjoyed listening to stuff that where I go, I don't, what, the, what the hell's that? Or like um, uh, Winged... Winged Victory for the Sullen, I love them. And we, like me and my son went to watch them at the Albert Hall and stuff like that. Nothing like I'd ever do. So, but you know, it's just it, that I, I, I kind of like it if I don't know how it's working. <laughs> yeah, keeping keeping the mystery in the room for you as a, as a music fan. You do get appreciation from doing writing a lot, and you and you can and you can go at songs that you used to love when you were young. You now listen to them and you go, ah, oh, that's what he's done there. Or, Oh, that doesn't take it away, but I do, I do, I do like like when you were young and you didn't know how anything worked and you're playing a, a record to a friend and you go, oh, hang on, hang on, here comes the good bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You kind of know what it is now. But I agree. There's a bit where you, the more you know, in a way, you you kind of um, your experience of the enjoyment of it 
changes because you're analyzing or or working out what someone's done or you know what they've done so that, like you said the ins the first time you hear god only knows for example when it was like yeah. what the hell is you know it's like wow but i suppose when you when you if you're a record songwriter and you made records you, you you know you it's like the kind of um wizard of oz thing isn't it you see behind the screen so it's it doesn't always make it actually when they played God only knows. It's like you can hear the beautiful chord. The what? It's the best chord sequence in pop music. Brilliant, and the key change and the weird middle bit and all that, and the beautiful thing. And it, it, when I was there, it was just this overwhelming. <gasps> and but hearing it now and knowing kind of what they were doing doesn't diminish it in any way at all. In fact, it enhanced it. But I am still, I am always interested in what the hell's that. Let me ask you a question about, I mean, I've got a couple of questions here actually in, in regards to like your work, but a lot of people who may not be so familiar with your um, your albums and your collaborations. That would be everybody. Well, they, they will know um, The Patience of Angels because it's one of those songs that everybody knows. What what was the influence behind writing that or the story behind that, uh, that song? Okay, that was, I lived in a horrific flat above a butcher's shop, which was horrible because you could sort of, you heard chopping first thing in the morning and then you'd smell death coming up through the floors. But it was, uh, there was, it was on a bus route and uh, you, buses would go by and they'd be at the same level as my window. But I was, that's the start of the song, but it was mostly because I used to see this woman pushing a pram and I was just curious about her life. She looked really stressed and I assumed she was a single mother. So. Um, I um I just wrote that song for her, and it was kind of interesting because it, when it started, I I thought patience of a saint. We tried the patience of a saint, and I thought, well, that's I, I don't mind idioms, but I thought that sounds a bit lumpy and po face. So I just sort of stuck angels in there, and it suddenly I do remember it just went bing like that in my mind. Yeah. And then I I made a recording of it. I had a lot of belief in it, and I played it to the Bible, and they didn't like it. Okay. Quite a long journey for it to be heard by Eddie and then for it to be taken. Then she went out to uh, America to make a record. Uh, she signed to Warner's to make a record with Mark Nevin, who was the writer in uh, Fairground Attraction. And they, she had a fantastic set of musicians, like people in Steely Dan and stuff like that. And they had a disagreement. I don't know what the disagreement was but he decided to leave the session and then she remembered these songs that she'd heard me singing uh particularly at a gig at the borderline she came to see and she got me to sing patience of angels down the phone to her and then about four days later they played me the the recording and then she said have you got any more and that's her album called eddie reader i think there's five songs on there that were it came from me singing down the phone quite most incredible set of circumstances that led to you even hearing that song because it, it 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 nobody was interested at first but wowzers it was quite gratifying it's a it then got nominated for what's what they called the Niva Novello Awards Awards best song of the year and there was a cock up and it was printed that it won i've got a, 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 a an evening standard where it says it had won, but it, it didn't, and then there was a, all sorts of kerfuffle. Oh, crikey. Incredible, incredible adventures, that song. <laughs> well, it should have won. <laughs> but it's, um, it's Celine Dion won. She doesn't need any more awards. She's got enough. But, I mean, yeah, that phrase, you're right, that phrase, the patience of angels, it, I mean, it's such a... I mean, I've thought about that song a lot over the years, just kind of almost in a way like you know listening to the song and enjoying the song but just thinking about that phrase of like trying the patience of angels and just again like it's, it's like we spoke about earlier in the podcast about that condensing of ideas into a phrase which is easy to relate to i mean that's one of those gorgeous lines in pop you know but which is she's the angel the woman and and and, and and also i it was something where i was like the chorus is just the same phrase t twice. And I, I thought, is that, is that cheating? And then I went, no, no that's magic. Yeah. And I suddenly thought, that's oh, all these songs that I love where the chorus is just, just say say it twice. It's a chorus so people can sing along. And it was, um, in fact, that was the song where the 
woman was having a little cry. Um, they Radio 4 decided they wanted to make a programme about it about eight years ago. And it's, it's, it's called the... I can't remember what the, what the programme's called, but they decided that it would be a good idea to try and find the woman. Wow. So we had to walk up and down the street knocking on doors. So it was not a happy experience. I didn't enjoy that. No. Did you, did you find her? No. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you the woman in the song? Oh, yeah. But is what? How is? Don't you think that? I mean, I think it's like very beautiful that someone in the world is this woman who's. She's probably heard that song, and she's you know she's. That's that's it, and it was it was a song for. I want a better word, a song for single mothers. That's what it was, you know, because I was like, it was in that period where bizarrely they decided that all the world's problems were down to single mothers, which was like insane, a sort of Tory outburst from John Major saying that was yeah. the main, that was the main problem we were facing. It's like, they're, they're, they're trying to really blame, blame anyone. It's not me, it's you. So if you were to put forward um again someone who may not know your work or actually even a question for you yourself what three songs that you've written would you would you say you'd put forward to kind of show someone your work or what three songs do you think are the ones where you've really kind of nailed who you are as, an, as a songwriter and you're most proud of is that possible to kind of uh possibly they um because if because i feel like a work in progress they tend to be more recent ones but i could go back to a bible song which would be like honey be good or something that was a pretty magic coming together i like that one there's a song very recently which i wrote with somebody who i met on a workshop and he's a lovely man called brian johnson who's not a, a musician or singer himself but he has really good ideas and we decided during lockdown to write songs about inspired by vivian mayer the uh, street photographer from America and from the 60s and 70s and 80s a little bit who took these wonderful street photographs but never showed them to anyone ostensibly and then she died and all her work was found after she died and I love her work it's just incredible I've I've got loads of books of her her stuff um she was a very interesting woman she pretended to be French she wasn't French you know like she was a, a very eccentric person but the pictures are really um she had like a hasselblad so she, they, she wasn't holding a thing up to her eye so people weren't self-conscious they didn't know they were having their photograph taken they're caught off guard and they're a great unwitting testimony to the times and the social world of the time but there's a song that i wrote with him which is called the night is young which in terms of uh audible, melodic stuff felt really I, I it's i i love singing it live i really like it and it's a it's like a, a, a summation of all the sort of chordal things i've been looking at over the years i really like it and it's his imagery we wrote the words together but it's largely his imagery and i like his um i like his take on on visuals which is a bit different from mine so i wouldn't have written it without him so i like that it's the third one I guess Patience of Angels, just because of the huge adventures it's taken me on. It's taken me all over the world because of that led to me working with Eddie and then going everywhere, including Australia, where I met my wife and stuff. So that song, I never get tired of singing that song. It's I, I, I really like it. And some nights when I'm playing it, I suddenly hear it afresh and I go, that's all right. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, that's like, that's what it's about. That's why. Yeah. That's, that's it. There's nothing, there's nothing. There's that, and the other thing that you get that 
from is if somebody if you're lucky enough that somebody decides to record one of your songs and you hear yeah. it for the first time and their take on it that never goes away that's it's a bit of a shame now because i i uh, used to be able to have cds and albums but a lot sometimes it's only digital yeah. and i've got a big uh i've got all my all that stuff in a lockup because there's no no room in uh, we just live in a little flat with my wife so i've got, got all of that in a lockup and that, and that never goes away when a CD arrives or you've heard someone stumble on your song. Yeah, that's amazing. When, when you're writing with all these different people and um, collaborators, is is I mean, obviously keeping busy is, is a nice thing as an artist. But is is does do the deadline? You know, obviously there's deadlines to things. From a songwriting point of view, rather than a production point of view, or a, from a songwriting or co-writing point of view, is a deadline a useful thing to have? Do you think? Yeah, it's magic. I've been very lucky to write songs for a program called The Verb, which is on Radio 3, which is like an arts program about words. And they will ask me to write a song on occasion and they'll just give me a couple of days to come up with a song and they'll give me a subject. And it's it, what really interests me is you immediately, you don't want to let anyone down, so something there's that, but you immediately fly into it and come up with things that I really like some of my favorite songs of recent years have come from that pressure and it made me realize that as artists or as writers we wander around waiting for inspiration but if someone asks you to do it you do it and it's made me realize that some of my favorite artists are able to apply that pressure to themselves yeah. a really interesting interview with Bob Dylan like how do you write songs somebody asked and you think you'd say oh I wander into a field and I wait for the muse and he goes well I listen to what I've got so far and I think well if I need a rocker I'll write a rocker if I need a ballad I'll write a ballad and so the trick to being a forward moving artist I think is to be a self-commissioner yeah. and and to give yourself the same sense of deadline that you get when someone asks you to do for example if someone asked you to write a song for a wedding for next week you would do it wouldn't you you wouldn't say oh i didn't quite pull it off you'd just do it yeah. so that sense, that sense of responsibility you get from other people i think great artists are able to give that to themselves but a lot of people that i work with and i meet are, are sort of floundering at first because they've got all these ideas but they don't know what to do with them but you have to for something to exist there has to be a bit of pressure it to come out you know yeah i think so i think also sometimes i mean you're absolutely right if you can give that to yourself as a songwriter i think that is a very good thing to do without going completely neurotic and sort of uh but i think also when you when you like that radio's program you just suggested and i've felt this myself or working with others when the deadline what's really great is that you have to pull something out the bag like I suppose like uh, you know like in the old days of the 60s or 70s where it's like you've got half a day to record the next single or whatever you kind of have to turn up and sometimes when you're in that position of pressure and deadline you don't know what you're going to pull out of the bag but it's that is quite exciting sometimes to not know what
yeah that's a really that's really good it's really good that let me let me ask you um one final question my friend is and um and i know that i appreciate that the answer will change from day to day or minute to minute but if if you as a songwriter could have written any song um in the world that's existed what song would you have loved to have written or lived inside and you know brought into the universe It's a funny thing, you know, like there, there, there's a couple of songs that is God only knows is one of them because I, I think it's just astonishing. There's Wichita Lime Man, oh, yeah. which is interesting. I, and I got I had the chance to meet him and it wasn't finished. He 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 was meant he was gonna write another verse, but he, but but um Glenn Campbell recorded it before he had finished it, which I think is really interesting. But um I love that song, and 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 the recording as well. But oh gosh, there's a song I like. Uh, I'm just going to let them bubble into my Beeswing by Richard Thompson. I remember that blew my mind. I like nearly every song on Blood on the Tracks. Even though I'm not a Dylan super fan, but uh, I for some reason a lot of the songs on that really. Yeah, it's great. Which I'd had a, a part in. Oh God, there's so many. I really my my favorite record is uh is called um is I've got a I've got a seventy eight of it in a frame on my piano over there is is uh, Joe Stafford recorded a song called No Other Love which is based on oh is it Chopin or something like that and it's really simple but I I really love that song and I would have wished if I if I'd come up with that I'd have been quite a cocker hoop. <laughs> There's some good, good songs there. Okay, let me, and one more. If you were to, as a collaborator who writes with lots of people, like who, if, if you could pick anybody you've not worked with before, or maybe you just might pick them again, who who would be a dream collaborator, collaboration? Interesting question, because I was asked that when I was quite young by a fantastic A&R man who is always in my mind with anything I do. There's a man called Nigel Grange, who's, who's left us now, but he's the first proper deal that I had, and he signed people like 10CC and... When he was really young in his early twenties, um, um, Thin Lizzy, uh, Rod Stewart, he was incredible. It was an adventure knowing this man and his his, and he said that to me. And he said, "Because I can make it happen." You know, he could make it happen. He he was powerful, mm. and I I couldn't I couldn't think of someone. So okay. I and I don't go out seeking it, but I love it when people come into my orbit and i work with them and it doesn't matter if they're successful or 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 not so i'm not sure i can even years and years later i'm not sure i can answer that because i didn't i was given the opportunity to have to go into the sweet shop and whoever have whoever i wanted and i and i had loads of people i really liked and i just said to them i don't know i quite like that answer because that means you're open to who comes and it's just like whoever i've often when, when i record other people no matter what level of success they're at, I tend to think of them as being like a major artist who's about to make this massive record and I've got this like opportunity to work with them. And and also the other thing, so I just, I think I think of them as like, I know, Elvis or McCartney and I've got to just get it down. And the other thing... that's that's I like that as well. Some of the best experiences I've had working on projects or with people have been things that no one will ever hear, but it doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, I, you don't grade them in your head it was just like oh do you remember when we did that that was great so I can't answer that and that sounds a bit weird but I can't yeah I can, hear, I can hear the dog needs to go out so yeah we're going to do a dog walks but thank you for your time and for your insights into your songwriting 